the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Got a big event coming up. Wow, February 9th, Cupertino, Juniper Hotel, 6.30 to 8.30. Registrations open now. Retirement Income and Tax Planning Seminar, CFP, Chad Burton. Go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. You'll find the link to his events. I will be there. He will be there. And it's the second of four times we will be on the peninsula this year doing seminars. Maybe we'll squeeze in a fifth one, but probably not. Chad Burton, how are you? I am well, Rob. How are you? Why do we plan these events right during our earnings season? <laughs> Fair. It's always in the middle of something, whether it's taxes, the end of the year, the beginning of the year, all the busy times. That's right. Lots of hype on the Secure Act, the Secure 2.0 Act, which is kind of funny. It's a play on Web 2.0, the Secure 2.0 Act. What are some of the topics? clients are most concerned with at this time, Chad? Well, yeah, so I think a a big one, Rob, and this was just an extension of the SECURE Act, which changed rules for required minimum distributions. And now it's gone into a lot of different areas. Um, There's a lot in terms of accessing 401k plans and emergency situations, which I'm just going to kind of skip over to focus on the wealth side and retirement Mm -hmm. side. But one of the big ones is, the topic of using leftover 529 plan money to fund a Roth IRA for a kid. So in other words, you save a bunch of money in a 529 plan, which is, you know, tax-free college savings. And let's say the kid gets some scholarships and other things like that. Um, and there's money left over. What do you do with it? You either, you can either name another family member. You can let it sit and eventually name a grandkid once that child, that child has a child. But now under the Secure 2.0 Act, there's some language in there to be able to use up to $35,000 to fund a Roth IRA for that kid. And initially it was like, oh, this looks really, really good. And then you're starting to see some of the rules and the clarity around it. For example, um, the, the plan has to be around for 15 years. There's rules in terms of you know, growth versus your contributions. And then once the kid starts to do it, it's still only subject to as much as you can put into a Roth on an annual basis is as much as you can move. So where it's really going to be helpful, long mm-hmm. story short, Rob, is if a kid gets out of college, um, they've had the plan for over 15 years. And at that point in time, you know, they're taking their money to max out their own 401k and they don't have enough money to fund a Roth. And then they could effectively move the funds over if they follow the rules. But that's, that's a long way out. Um, for wealthy individuals, and estate planning, it still might be better to leave it in there for the grandkids. So just some, you know, how does it affect you and your planning? What's your, what's your goals? Is the goals to fund the child, to fund grandkids and leave a legacy, or, or how does it work? Um, there's changes coming in catch-up contributions on, on people that make a lot of money where they can put their 
over 50 catch-up contributions. Um, so as that, you know, rolls out and gets closer, uh, there's a lot of technical issues in the Secure 2.0 Act that need clarification, so I'm not going to go into that too much. Uh, an immediate effective one is people were thinking that, hey, I'm turning 72 this year. I've got to start taking required minimum distributions out of my IRA. They, did, they got a break, so that was the age of 73, Rob. But in all of this, too, there's changes to how people have to take money out of an inherited IRA. So what that means is if somebody passes away with an IRA and they leave a non-spouse beneficiary under the first SECURE Act, they're like, oh, we could just defer that in all, almost all cases and not take anything out for 10 years. Well, now there's some clarification to that, and it's not that easy anymore. So was there some good things in this? Yes. Does it make things a lot more complicated? Absolutely. That's unfortunate. I was really, really excited because I haven't really looked at the act and to hear that you have, and you said 529s could be converted into Roth. I, I, I smiled. Um, yeah. I have, a, I have a philosophy that, and I could be totally wrong here, that the next 15 years, it's gonna, we're going to see a big rise of blue-collar education over white-collar college education um, because those are the workers we need most in our society right now. But that's off topic. Let's go to another thought that you've put out there that's really smart. You talk a lot about Roth conversions at the event. It's pretty intimidating because you have to do it right. It's kind of something you can't mess up. Does this all make you more or less positive on partial Roth conversions? Uh, much more positive on Roth conversions. Okay. I think it's even more important now. And... You know, for for one thing, it's it's where we can add a ton of value in retirement and distribution planning is which accounts do you draw from first so that you can try to keep your taxes lower for longer. And then if you're a wealthy individual, how do and you, you think of multi-generational planning, how do you make sure more wealth goes to the family versus to the IRS? And now that we've got some, you know, language coming down on this inherited IRA issue where it's not as good as it was last year where, Hey, you pass away, you know, dad leaves you his IRA. You can roll it into an inherited IRA and just let it grow for 10 years before you have to cash it out. Not that simple anymore. It depends on what age they were when they died and whether or not they were taking required minimum distributions. It went back to a more complicated level. And so that means that it's not as good to leave a large amount of IRA to the kids because they're going to pay taxes in some way, shape or form. It's going to be a little bit over year by year and then all of it by the the end of the 10th year in most cases now. So if, if you're at a lower tax bracket than your children and you look at your cash flow and your financial plan that should be done, you know, well prior to retirement, you see that okay, after age 73, my tax bracket's going to start increasing quite a bit because I have to pull money out of my IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, then you better start dealing with it now by taking a little bit out each year, converting it from your IRA to a Roth, paying the taxes now so it grows tax-free forever for the family. Um, and then the kids will have, again, up to 10 years of tax-free growth, but they are, you know, and now in many cases going to have to pull a little bit each year in those 10-year periods. So because of that change, it's even more advantageous. And what's going on here, Rob, is there's so much stuff going on, and yet our budget deficits are growing and the tax system is getting more complicated, and it tells me taxes are going to be higher in the future. We have an aging population. We have Social Security. 
that's going to have problems in 2034-ish, and uh, you know the, the medical costs that this country is facing. So I think taxes are going to go up. So get that tax-free growth going now. CFP Chad Burton, you can find him online at chadburton.com. Go to his website today. This is one event of four that we're going to do. We'll be doing it on the peninsula this year. You can sign up for February 9th Juniper Hotel at chadburton.com. Let's talk Roth conversions quickly. They're not as simple as just maxing out your existing tax bracket. What else should a retiree consider before converting IRA funds into a Roth? Well, do you have the cash outside of the IRA to pay the taxes when you do it? How does it affect your Social Security taxation? How does it affect your Medicare Part B premiums, which will get hit with two years later? Um, and how does it affect the capital gains taxes that you're paying? So ordinary income from your IRA can push up capital gains income to a higher bracket potentially. So you, you definitely have to do some modeling. That's why CFPs are trained in you know taxes as well, so that we can do this type of modeling and, and consult with either our tax team or your tax team to make sure it's a good thing to do. Good stuff. Thanks for being with me, CFP Chad Burton. People can find you online at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. Come meet him personally out in public February 9th, Thursday, 630 to 8:30. Have a great day, Chad. Your wonderful contribution to the show. We'll see you Thursday night, the 9th, in Cupertino. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. You all like nostalgia, but earning season is all about the past. 90 days, not the future. Sometimes it's the commentary that companies come out with that we want to say, that sounds nice. Right now, we kind of want to live with the lower expectations. Under promise and over deliver, guys. Not a time to over promise and under deliver. Speaking of nostalgia, Pixar is releasing a short film that shows Carl Fredrickson from Up going on his first date since his wife Ellie died. I don't know if you grew up with Pixar. I have some young kids, so they did. And that was a tearjerker of a montage at the beginning of that movie. Good job, Disney, for uh, greenlighting a short on that. Because I don't think I can take a whole movie of that happiness knowing that she's going to kick it. Spoiler alert, she dies at the end. NASDAQ up 1.6% yesterday. Huge day. SP 500 up 1.4. Dow Jones Industrial Average up 1. Bitcoin was sitting at 22,900. Spotify had a lovely day after saying, we're not dead. Not all tech stocks are created equal. We're not dead. Still would like to see them earning more money because they have a lot of subscribers. And well, let's just say they should be earning more money. Hey, if you're a dodo bird or if you have a long, you come from a long line of dodo birds who are now extinct, now is a good day for you. The company that's trying to resurrect the woolly mammoth announced yesterday the fresh round of funding trying to de-extinct the dodo. Colossal Biosciences, Colossal Biosciences, the biotech company that raised $150 million, valuation of $1.5 billion, is um, adding towards their projects. The dodo is something of a white whale. Hunting and habitat takeover led to its demise in the 1600s, but it's been the poster child of human-caused extinction since I was a little child. What I like about that story, there's a lot of science in it. What I don't like about that story is we're not really solving a problem that we need to solve right now. It feels very much so like a lot of web companies. Oh, we'll deliver food to your house and we'll chew it and spit it in your mouth for you. Paris Hilton, Tony Robbins are just two of the groups 
that are tied towards being investors in colossal biosciences. Interesting, right? I know you're saying, did he just say Paris Hilton? I did. I did. I did. I did. I did. Big ice storm sweeper across the south. 1900 flights as of last evening have been disrupted as far as travel goes. Very expensive, expensive winter weather. I know you don't look at it as expensive. I know you're looking at it as, oh, I don't get to go to a weekend wedding. I didn't really want to go to anyway. It really hurts an economy. I know. I know. Drinks are on ExxonMobil. Don't you wish you were sauntering up to a bar right about now, setting up for a day drink experience that's going to last into the weekend? I know you're saying it's only Wednesday, Rob. It's only Wednesday. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. But ExxonMobil, they settled up to the bar right next to you. You go, dude, you're buying they made $56 billion in profit last year. That's $6.3 million each hour. Mind-boggling. Interesting, right? The Biden administration says, why? Why? We bu- we've bailed you out numerous times before, and uh, I know that's bad. Uh, Joe Biden. Maybe it's something like, listen here, pal, Exxon. I don't, I don't have a good Joe Biden... Anyhow, Delta is saying, hey, you want to fly with us? We're going to give you free Wi-Fi. Let the Netflix binge begin. Realizing you got stuck in the middle seat, just got a little bit more tolerable. Delta is switching on free Wi-Fi for about 80% of its domestic fleet starting today. Um, This is needed. This is a differentiator when we look at our buses in the sky. If you have children or you travel a lot, having Wi-Fi in the air is lovely. This puts pressure on other airlines to do the same exact thing. And I'm talking free, capable Wi-Fi, capable of hitting um, Netflix speeds. That's all we care about. I know you're saying sounds like it's going to be a little bit disappointing. I agree. Pfizer's profits hit a record $100 billion last year, 57% of which was counted for by the COVID vaccine and the antiviral pill Paxlovid. Um, this has gotten some praise. This has gotten some heat. Um, I'll leave it at that. Jeff Bezos sent out a tweet yesterday saying, Episode 3 of Last of Us is unbelievably good storytelling. I am in awe. What he's really trying to say is, I wish I would have bought HBO instead of starting a streaming service. (laughs) I I, I kind of agree. I'm with you, Jeff. That was an amazing episode. And congratulations to people in TV who could pull that off. Because that kind of stuff wasn't around when I was a kid. Elsewhere out there, DC is renewing its attempt to rival Marvel Cinematic Universe following a reboot under Warner Brothers. It announced its first 10 movies and TV shows. Not enough of a story there to really get into, in my opinion, but maybe down the road we'll talk about it because superheroes are big business for companies like Disney. Can superheroes be big business for companies like Time Warner? The answer is I wouldn't be betting on it yet. But they do have James Gunn running the DC Universe now, and he is a hell of a uh, director, in my opinion. So it's hump day. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, we get the Fed decision today. A couple minutes, we're going to be talking with Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com, about what he's seen in the market action. And I will get into further details about what's going on and off on the markets today, as is my want. 
Elsewhere, as far as big stories go, Google has asked their employees, hey, start taking a look for competitors to chat GPT because the world is freaked out that Microsoft is onto something. Interesting, right? Could Google go, right? Google has a cash cow search. And the problem with Google search is it gives you 15 answers to one question. Um, whereas chat GPT gives you one, whether it's uh, writing a term paper, it's not going to give you 15 term papers. It's going to give you one. Whether it's the best hotel ever in the world for surfers, it's going to give you one. I'm not a surfer, by the way. Just throwing that out there for you in case you're like, is he a surfer? Not a surfer. Maryland, the state is pushing for a four-day work week. Would that be a reason to live there? Because other than crabs and Natty Bo, Natty Bo and the oils. Um, really, really bad East Coast, East Eastern Maryland accent. And Natty Bo is, for the record, the worst beer on the planet. It's called National Bohemian. And if it's not ice cold, it, it'll blind you. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. High income pros are working less than low earning ones. Guys earning six figures are openly cutting their work hours. As new study has found, it's fueling a downwards trend of overall number of hours worked. Hmm. Facebook and Snap employees are both bracing for layoffs. Round two. Shopify is majorly raising its prices. It's increasing product prices by up to 33%. That's going to upset small business owners. Apple execs, including CEO Tim Cook, possibly violated workers' rights. The federal government said it found evidence that Apple bigwigs are breaking labor laws. I don't think that goes anywhere because I'll be honest with you, Tim Cook seems like a pretty good CEO. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Big event coming up next week. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Joining me now, as he is wont to do every Wednesday at this time, Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. I start my mornings every day at briefing.com. Page one, and I end my week every week with the big picture written by Patrick O'Hare. So he's in my life six times a week at least. Mr. O'Hare, today is hump day, but it's also Fed day. Is there any chance anything surprising is going to come from the Fed Reserve today? Good morning, Rob. Um, Good morning. Yeah, I think I think there is certainly a, a chance, and uh, I think there's also a chance that you know there could be something surprising from from the market today. Um, I alluded to as much in the big picture, or uh, excuse me, the page one column this morning. Um, and what I was driving at really is that you know we talked about on briefing.com, and I think even on your show is that you know the market the market's been fighting the Fed, you know, right? The adage is that you don't fight the Fed. But the market is, and you can see it based on the behavior of the Treasury market, you know, the weakness in the dollar, right, the, the rise in stock prices. Um, and, you know, what I think could be a surprise factor today is that, if you know, I think, I think the Fed chair is going to really try to sound hawkish, right? I think he's going to try mm-hmm. and do something to rein in the rally effort and to certainly to squash the market's expectations that the Fed is going to cut rates before the end of the year. But, you know, the market might still have some fight left in it. And we'll see that if the 
if in fact the market does have fight, we'll see that in a weakening dollar uh, and a, you know, what I said, it was kind of like a non-plus treasury market following a uh, any remarks from uh, from Fed Chair Powell that are indisputably hawkish. Um, and so that'll be some telling price action here later this afternoon. Um, but uh, it's always an element of surprise right now because we're at a at a key inflection point or getting close to one, we think, as it relates to what the Fed, you know, is going to be doing with, with its monetary policy. Very, very interesting because CNBC and Bloomberg is just filled with people like trying to predict what he's going to do. And um, there's a lot of drama on what he's going to say and not say. Um, but let's wait and talk about what he did next week um, and see how it plays out. But that comes in just a few hours. So that'll be a market changer for sure. A lot of tech companies are starting to report numbers. Um, I would say a lot of wheat, a lot of chafe. There's a lot going on. Any update on what you're seeing in earnings so far this year? Well, earnings uh, for this fourth quarter reporting period are, are being labeled you know, better than feared. Uh, okay. But that doesn't mean that they're good. You know, we're still seeing uh, the blended earnings growth rate right now, according to FactSet, is uh, is down 4.8% uh, year over year. Um, and, I'm sorry, 4.7% year over year. Uh, in early January, you know, analysts were expecting a 4.8% decline. So, you know, haven't really you know, move that needle much, which uh, for your listeners, that is the surprise because usually every reporting period, you see the uh, the end, uh, the ultimate earnings number be about uh, two to four percentage points higher than what was projected going into the reporting period. And uh, and we haven't seen really any movement at all in this reporting period. And so, um, you know, yet uh, the bar was lowered going into it. A number of companies are, you know, hurtling that bar, but not as many companies as would typically hurdle the bar. Uh, so, yeah, I you know, would call this a, a less than spectacular earnings period average at best. Um, and I don't think that there's been a lot in terms of the guidance that has created a lot of confidence in our estimation anyway that the forward 12-month earnings estimate has stopped going down or will stop going down. We think it's still going to be subject to downward revision here in the coming weeks and months. As my mother used to say, use your words. Do you think that the rally that we had in January is at risk because we haven't seen enough earnings revisions down? I don't want to put the words in your mouth. So you use your (laughs) words on what we're seeing with market performance versus earnings cuts and job cuts. Sure, sure. Well, I, I guess I would point your your listeners back to the big picture column I posted on Friday because yes, I do think that the rally is okay. in jeopardy, um, uh, and and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to collapse from here. It just means that okay. you know I think the you know the gist of that big picture column is that we're running into a wall of valuation constraint. Right? We had a, a, a undeniably really great start to the year. Right? That took the S and P five hundred to about eighteen times forward twelve month earnings. Uh, which in our estimation are still subject to being marked down. So uh, you're at 18 times forward 12-month earnings currently, and that's a premium to the 10-year average of 17.2. And we just are hard-pressed to believe that the market should be trading at a premium multiple right now uh, when earnings estimates are still in a state of decline. And, um, and therefore, 
we think that, you know, there may be a little more upside here, possibly, but it's going to be really more challenging now to, to get that breakout leg, we think, because of the valuation constraint that the market is going to be facing. And so, you know, you might see some backing and filling in a technical term here coming off this big January move. Um, but we need, you know, the likes of Apple and Amazon and Alphabet to kind of allay some of those earnings growth concerns if we're going to get that next breakout leg. And uh, that all remains to be seen here. But we'll know we'll know a lot more in the next 24 to 48 hours. Great commentary. Quick question or thought on putting these puzzle pieces together. We're over a year into a market correction or market downturn. Uh, I feel like if we go two to three years with this, it'll be better in the long run. It'll clear out more of the problems like valuation and um, inflation. Um, is that a wrong way of thinking about it? Like, because we always say recessions tend to last somewhere between 18 months and 36 months, which is a year and a half to three years. So maybe we have a little bit more work to do, but if we go longer, will it be more beneficial in the long term for people who are 40 and under? Maybe is the right way of saying that. Right. Well, I I would agree with that uh, assessment, Rob, just because, you know, um, interest rates have been so low for so long. You get these, these you know, massive bull markets, right? And uh, And I think that they're illusory in some respects because having rates at the zero bound for as long as we had is not normal. So the path to normalization is, is a bumpy one, but it's one that needs to be taken. And, um, and when you get back into a market that's more fundamentally oriented, where you have both inflation rates and market rates at normalized levels, um, then I think you get less volatility you know, in the behavior of, of the capital markets. And that lends itself to more confidence on the part of the investor when they can look at things and not think that something they're going to own is going to go down 20% in a day or up 20% in a day, which is obviously the preferred thing. But, you know, but normalization is a good thing where you have more moderate price moves. Uh, and, and we think that that's really a better condition uh, for the, for the investment minded individual uh, and one that lends more confidence to investing when you don't have to deal with all of the excessive volatility that comes with, you know, uh, those wide swings and in interest rates. I swear I love your commentary. I, I sit on my edge and I, I listen to it a second time as I'm editing it later today. Any last thoughts? We've got about two to three minutes and I always want to give you the last thoughts and a little bit of time to run with some content that's in your head that you want people to hear. Sure. Well, well thank you. I, I, you may not want to know everything that's in my head, um, but uh, there's a lot turning over right now in my head just as it relates to the potential for commentary because we have you know, a lot of proving ground yet to cross here, um, not only over the course of this, this remainder of this week, but, you know, in the weeks and months ahead. And we have those key earnings reports I referenced earlier. We have the December employment situation report, uh, and we have the ISM non-manufacturing index out on Friday. And then, of course, we have the Fed today and, and Fed Chair Powell's commentary. So as a market analyst, I have to kind of like take a step back and, and wait for that information um, to uh, kind of form, you know, what I'm going to ultimately write for the big picture here on, on Friday. But uh, anyone that's been reading that pic picture would pick up on a strain of somewhat, you know, uh, a level of cautiousness anyway, that we've kind of gotten overstretched here uh, off this January move, which 
um, which is nice to see. You know, it was nice to see the move, you know, the, the big gains early in the year, but it's brought us up to a point where I think valuation is going to be a constraining factor for further upside here in the near term. Got a little over a minute and a half, so you have a little bit more time. Big picture, any thoughts on what you might be publishing this Friday? Well, you know, kind of just sort of what I alluded to, I'm just, I, I it's going to be born out of what we hear over the next okay. three days here. Um, and, you know, be either out of something that, you know, we take away from the Fed decision or what we hear out of Apple, Amazon, and Alphabet and or what we hear from that December employment situation report. So uh, there's a lot coming to a head here, and I just need to kind of like take it all in and and um, and uh, and then figure out what it ultimately means here for the market and for the uh, investment-minded individual. It'd be really interesting to see how the Fed positions themselves today because the market is leaning one way, kind of away from the Fed's stern stance, while the Fed has to stay stern at this point in time to kind of clear out some more of those excesses they want cleared out while they have the microphone. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. I start my day each and every day with Briefing.com. Late afternoon, I go through and I read all the in-play, um, see if there's anything that their uh, authors decided were important for us to see. I highly recommend the service. It's for domestic and international news. And it's one of the things that I, I look forward to every day. Briefing.com and Patrick O'Hara, thank you so much. I'm Rob Black. This interview featured on The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. There is a lot going on in earnings season. We have a big event coming up next week as well, February 9th. Let's see if I can get through some of this content. The market is awaiting a Fed decision today. And stocks are tumbling on that news, but we've had a great start to the year, so it's a little bit expected. Biden administration is calling on Apple and Google to do better. This could be a year where we start seeing more regulation on big tech companies. Uh, As a person who lives in the Bay Area, this could affect home prices, depending on how things play out depending on if companies get broken up or what. But so far, they haven't been, have they? So ifs and, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, oh, what a party we'd have. Apple says they want to have a robust app economy. They appreciate that the report acknowledges the importance of user privacy, data security, and user convenience. Legislation from Congress could be crafted on competition in the mobile app ecosystem. I think this could be a year where you see Apple cave and open up an operating system, their operating system to another store. We'll see. There's not a lot of other ways to cut this. Would that help Spotify? Yes. Would that help companies like Match and Tender? Yes. Would that help the New York Times? Yes. Um, Spreading a little bit of the wealth? I don't know. In the end, I think we're still going to use the Apple App Store as Apple just make it a better experience. Same thing with Google. But that's a big story in the back of our minds for the year. Tom Brady's announcing his retirement from the NFL, swears it's for good this time. Eh. I will say this. 22 years is darn impressive considering the average NFL player plays three 
we should all be so lucky to have such a blessed career, whether we're nurses or doctors or police officers, whether we're uh, veterinarians, whether we're engineers, nothing's guaranteed in the world. And that's one of the really interesting things that I'm seeing about the Google layoffs. There's a lot of stories being written in financial media that kind of shows me there's a lot of bias in media um, just based on the location of where we live when we're writing. There's a lot of stories about um, Google engineers. One Google engineer woke up at four o'clock to learn while she was nursing her baby on maternity leave. She's been fired. I get it. That sucks. There could be nothing worse. You're having a moment of joy in your life at a horrible time in the morning, but it's still a moment of joy. And um, even though your child's kind of like chomping on you, it's still a moment of joy, I'm told. And then we hear about a young couple who uh, have two kids and he's on a HB1 visa and he has to go back to his country based on losing his job at Google if he doesn't find another job in 30 days or less. Okay. I get it. There's a lot of horrible stories, but I'm, I'm not hearing the same horrible stories written from the perspective of Nike employees who've lost their jobs. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a, and do you really feel bad for Google when they've added 80,000 employees net 60,000 after they've cut roughly 20,000 in the last two years? It's, there are no guarantees in your career. And that's what I'm saying. Tom Brady is the man because he went six times over the average career length. Now, he's finalized his divorce. Uh, after he finalized the divorce from Giselle Bunchen, supermodel, one of his public endorsements went south. Just days after his divorce was final, he's facing lawsuits from FTX investors who say the brand's ambassadors should have done more due diligence before promoting it. I totally agree with that. 100%. If one rule comes out of our government on Bitcoin... Celebrities shouldn't be allowed to endorse it. You know why? Because you're stupid. And you're going to believe what celebrities tell you. I saw a horrifying segment yesterday, or I heard it on a podcast where they were interviewing people. Who would you trust to give you financial advice? And everyone's like, Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian's mom. I'm like, no. It's like a bad scene from Superman where Lois dies. Because... They got famous because of a sex tape and her, the mom willing to exploit her children. That's terrible. That's that's the origination story of the Kardashians. Now, are they fierce competitors? Probably. Are they great business people? Probably. But I'd rather take advice from a financial planner than take financial advice from a Kardashian or Tom Brady. And in my industry... I work with EP Wealth. EP Wealth's not allowed allowed to hire a brand spokesperson like Joe Montana. You know, one thing better than winning on the football field is winning in your retirement. We're not allowed to do that because it's assumed that the public will fall for that. And maybe Joe Montana, and I love Joe Montana, and he's done nothing wrong for the record. I just use this as an example. I should really, really say that again and again and again because I, I'm not knocking him, but celebrities aren't allowed to play in the financial endorsement worlds. And I think that should extend to Bitcoin as well. Kim Kardashian's already gone and settled a multi-million dollar suit with the SEC on when she, that one time when she goes on a tweet, you know, I hear something about Bitcoin. It might be a good idea. 
what do you think? And it was a pretty innocuous tweet that cost her a million plus dollars. Yep. Elsewhere in the world, early retirees say breaking six society rules helped save one man over a million dollars. One minute. And it's kind of funny how many articles are written in this level, like, don't rock the boat. Follow your passion. Don't be too selfish. Um, I just think slow accumulation of stocks, bonds, and real estate. A little bit smarter than that, but the way of lifetime accumulation is a better way of creating wealth for me than get rich fast, as some people try to do. 30. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on today. It's Fed Reserve Day, so we're going to have a lot more to talk about tomorrow as earnings season gets a little bit deeper. Snap had a horrible quarter. Does that mean Facebook will have a bad quarter tonight? Facebook's not Snap. Facebook has a lot more diversification. But a little hesitation day before the Fed. Big seminar coming up February 9th. Cupertino, Juniper Hotel, Income and Retirement. Sign up at robblackshow.com. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 